In today's episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're digging into some of the most scandalous moments in music history. We put together a list of scandals that span nearly 70 years and covers controversies, deaths, scams, crime, and outrageous behavior that drew media attention around the world. From John Lennon saying the Beatles were bigger than Jesus to Sinead O'Connor tearing up a picture of the Pope. The shocking trail of abuse left by total piece of garbage R. Kelly to Ozzy biting the head off of a bat. The circumstances of Sam Cooke's murder to years of speculation over if Elvis really died at all. The Great White Concert Fire to the Dumpster Fire of the Fire Festival. Millie Vanilli getting caught lip-syncing to U2 giving you one of their albums whether you wanted it or not. We're covering a lot of ground in this one and some of it ain't pretty. Let the drama begin. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 71. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm talking about some of the most scandalous moments in music with my co-host and my really good friend, Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and our show is sponsored by Bold Foot Socks and McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia. What's going on, brother? Everything is good, man. The Phillies are in the playoffs, brother. I'm so happy for that. I am excited. I am ready to go. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, um, it's great for just the city moral morale anyway, you know. But, uh, you know, everything's good. What's going on with you? You went camping? I did. I did. We took the camper out this we, uh, this weekend. First time in, since uh, Memorial Day weekend. So my wife was feeling good enough to get, get up and down the stairs. And it was really nice to get away for a couple of days. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed yourself. Yeah, it was nice, man. The weather was good. Yeah, after it was raining here in New Jersey and uh, Philadelphia for like a week straight, so it was a mess. Uh I felt like I was living underwater. Dude. It was crazy, man. And uh, you know, we had to take an extra week off. I had some other shit going on around uh, around responsibilities, man. Yeah, man. I had some. Uh, well, I'm questioning your uh, dedication to this show, Mio. I think I told you this, but they're the. Second largest Hindu temple in the world is in my town right now. It's like a mile from my house. It's, oh, really? And they have been having this three-month festival where this music starts at 6.30 in the morning, and it goes to 11 o'clock at night, seven days a week. And um, it can be up to 100 decibels, which is the sound of basically a rock and roll stadium concert. And after weeks and weeks and weeks of people calling and complaining and not, nothing getting done... I organized like a, a whole shitload of people and went to a town council meeting this last week and complained. I had, um, oh, wow. I had like signed statements from like 70 people and I had like 15, 20 people come with me and organized this whole thing and made a, made a big. Because the, it's like noise pollution. Yeah. Dude, it's like, it's, it's, it's so loud, man. I can hear it in my house with the wind, with the windows closed. So, and it, and it's it, like, two and it's not ago. skinnered. It's not. Skinnered, no, right? no. I, I, you know, man, I said to, um, uh, the town council. I was like, imagine it. That's a st- hundred decibels is louder than a baseball game, and it's the sound of a rock concert. Imagine 
living next door to like the Freedom Mortgage Pavilion in Camden, and there's a music festival every day, and it starts at six thirty in the morning, and it's all bands that you don't want to you don't want to go listen to. Yeah. So I was being a uh, community organizer and a social activist last week. That's why we skipped an extra week for the show. Well. You know, God forbid you put a rock concert on on and see what happens real fast, how fast it gets shut down. Right. If I said I I uh, worship at the church of Motorhead and I want to play my religious music 16 hours a day, it would be, um, you know, people's opinions would change pretty fucking quick. But, the church of Lemmy. Yes. But, man, another great topic, dude. You, you've been really hitting it out of the park coming up with some of these ideas. I mean, we, there's so many things we, we haven't touched yet. Um, we have so many good ideas coming up on shows, but you know, this one, we were trying to figure something out. I was like, we never did like something on controversy, like weird little things happening in the music world. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we put it together like a, we wanted to go across all the music. So we went, you know, I, I think the earliest ones in the 1950s and there's some shit that's pretty recent. And then we were like all over the place in terms of like, the types of scandals and again much like all these other shows that we do we cover a ton of ground is there's going to be a bunch of shit that we're not going to get to but you know hey we've, we've got a lot here we got a lot of ground to cover we're gonna give it a, our best shot here see how far we can get going with all the controversy yeah man there's some really interesting stuff in here and i was doing a lot of reading i mean a lot of the stuff i i knew a little bit about but the yeah. more i dove into some shit i was like wow i you know as always, I learned a lot. Well, I'm hoping to learn something tonight. Yeah. All right. So let's let's just get started, man. So the first scandal I found that I want to talk about was the Payola scandal of the sure. 1950s, man. And that was basically, you know, rock and roll had just started and it was starting to take off and 45s became a thing and teenagers really became like the core audience of rock and roll. And um, so record re- record labels basically were bribing DJs, were giving them money to um, yeah. play play albums and i found a couple statistics so like in, like this is how quickly radio exploded so in 1950 there was about 250 disc jockeys across the united states within seven years that number went to 5,000. so record mm. label you know the industry just explodes um and then there was like a whole scandal with payola in like uh game shows and shit that started getting like a lot of attention sure Congress started looking into it, and while they were looking into that, they started looking into um, music, and they found that all these record labels were getting were paying DJs to promote shit. Um, and I guess the biggest thing that came out of that, well, first of all, the FCC stepped in and they made that illegal. You can't, you couldn't do that anymore. But two really big names in music wound up taking the hit. The first one was Alan Freed. Alan Freed was the dude that pretty much came up with the term rock and roll. Sure, and the other guy was Dick Clark. They both got fired from really? their job. Yeah. Dallin Freed got fired and he died within like a month. Yeah. And Dick Clark was another one that that, wow. the, that lost his job. So, wow. So that's pretty much payola, man. So it was like a just an interesting and it was like I said, it was it was scandal starting just when rock and roll was starting. You know, when there's money to be made, there's scandals to be paid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yep. I don't know. I've known about payola for a long time. I just think about all the songs that couldn't afford to be on radio back then. Like how many songs did we miss out on? Or like how many crappy songs did we get addicted to because we got forced to hear yeah. it, you know? 
And I think payola, you know, to a point still goes on now. Sure. Instead of like payments, so you're maybe the record DJs are getting concert tickets and all that other shit. And it was like all through the seventies and the eighties, everybody was getting pay and blow. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, like, yeah, it's sure. And I mean, in the fifties too, in the sixties, we talked about this in the doo-wop episode, like record labels were just like white people were just re-recording uh, African-American artists. And it was like, yeah. that shit was getting played on the radio and it was really shitty and scummy. And I think Dick Clark's pretty famous for not, playing the white people versions of stuff but it was still he still took the he took the fall here out of all this well i never knew that he took a fall out of all that yeah yeah Um, well that's pretty good for him that he he overcame all that all that mm -hmm. you know like that could have ruined his whole career for the rest of his life yeah and you know what man we're talking about alan freed i have to send you um i'm in a like a facebook group for like famous graves and it's always people just posting like tombstones alan freed's tombstone Looks like a giant uh, jukebox cut out of granite. Oh, right. it's, it's really cool. It's super cool looking. I'll have to, I'll have to send you a picture of it. Um, I do enjoy cool things like that. It again. is very neat, man. That's that's such a fascinating group to be in. People always posting, you know, like where musicians are buried and shit like that. Yeah, I find that like you know headstones. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally cool. All right, just keep on rolling, man. The second one that I came up with, nineteen fifty eight. And we talked about this before, but this is Jerry Lee Lewis getting busted for marrying his cousin. Uh, that was frowned upon in the 50s. It was. Nowadays, nowadays, I don't know what's not, for, you know, everything's now, you know, you're good with, you know. And we, we talked about it in the Sun Records episode, right? So he, Elvis gets drafted into the army and Jerry Lee Lewis is really ready to become like the face of rock and roll. And... He was uh, he was 22. She was 13. It was his third marriage by the time he's 22. He's out of his mind. Yeah. And he was already still married to his second wife when this <laughs> happened. And um, I get what he I was reading. Really? Like, he went over to England to kind of like promote rock and roll. And he insisted on bringing her. And other people were like, dude, that's not a good idea. Don't bring her. And uh, he was like, no, no, no. And he was ready to say she was a little older, except um, they forgot to tell her that that was what the lie was. And oh when they got over there, God. they got busted. And she was like, yeah, I'm married to him and I'm 13. And because she was like the daughter of somebody in his band. Yeah. The bass player. Yeah. You ever see the movie they made? Yeah. Falls of Fire? It didn't age well at all. Uh, Winona Ryder played the the uh, Jerry Lee's wife. Mm. Um, it was, it, you know, didn't age well at all, man. It made it look like it was all okay that he married his cousin. Yeah. You know, they, they romanticized it. Um, yeah. I remember you talking about that before when we did the Sun Records episode. Yeah. I mean, how did they not lock him up? I mean, it ruined his career, right? I mean, he just totally became derailed and. This was one of the first big, really big scandals, like involving like, I don't know a, how, like a rock and roller. Dude, he's out there in America somewhere playing tonight. He's dead. You know, like, is he dead? Yeah. Oh well, yeah, he died. All that he out. died recently. Oh, well, he was the killer, he and died, there's you know he died in October last year, but it's about a year ago. I don't know, man. Um, he 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 was. I don't understand how hillbillies think. Number one, 
you know, I, I'll never understand too much of a city folk, you know, to think that, you know, you know, just even thinking about your cousin in a way, you know, I'm a Catholic man, you know, like we get away with some crazy shit, but you know, like with those Baptists, you know, (laughs) down, down South, you know, shit, man, they kind of like groom kids. Like they take like young girls and they groom them until they're 18 and they marry them off. For as much as I mean, shit, man, we're going to, well, here, I'll just play it right now. We're going to be playing this a lot tonight. Shitbag of the week. Dun, dun, dun. But. Great balls of fire. Yeah, man. I was going to say, like, he he wasn't a nice dude, but man, he could play the fucking piano, dude. Here's a little bit of Great Balls of Fire. Man, I still love that song. How many times I've heard it? Still love it. Dude, it's amazing. Writing a hit record will get people to forget that he like child molested someone and you know, whatever you know like jerry lee was a was a naughty motherfucker man he was the killer he was everything that he said he was and he's probably in hell right now and <laughs> <laughs> hey, we talked about in the sun records too man like he was a session guy for all those dudes and then yeah. finally just started ripping it and really kind of stepped into his own and broke out but he was a he was a hell of a musician you know on dude. top of it he he had a hell of uh I don't know, a reputation, a hell of an attitude, a hell of a, you know, story to them. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving. Um, this is one, this is the incident that I think created the whole idea to do this show. And that's 1964. And that's the murder of Sam Cooke. Um, wow. How do we not get to do our 71st episode and not talk us out? sam cook at all yet i know dude so if we're doing like two hours of show that means we've got like 150 hours of music we've talked about and we haven't we haven't played sam cook yet. i i fucking love sam cook dude he he was the beginning of it all man before there was like you know a term like rock and roll there was sam cook yeah it's uh, the combination of like soul and rock music and um it just yeah, there's a lot of his music you can listen to, and I just close my eyes and listen to it. And I'm like, it's just, it's so beautiful. It's so awesome. There's so much energy in it, and it's just great. So many songs, so many songs you don't even realize he has. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so it's, let's hear about his uh, murder, Bruce. Yeah. So, man, he was, so not only, so he was only 33 when he was murdered. Wow. And, he was not only an amazing singer, but he was also really involved in the civil rights movement. And there's a um, there's a Netflix documentary about his murder, which is really called like the two killings of Sam Cooke. It's really really good and it's worth watching. But um, so he was involved in the civil rights movement. Um, he was friends with Jim Brown, the football player, sure. and Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. 
and he started his own record label in his publishing company. He was the first black artist to own his own label. And he was pretty much yeah. like, look, there's a lot of racism in the music industry, so I'm going to beat him at their own game. And I'm going to I'm going to open I'm going to start a business and I'm going to out business the white the, the racist white people. Cuz the music Dude, industry was, was racist as yeah. shit for decades. He he was way before uh Motown. Yes, right. You know, he was uh like Motown before there was Motown. Right. Right. Uh, guys like Smokey say that like Sam Cooke was what inspired him to become so involved in music. But the night uh, he died in 1964. So he was murdered at the Hacienda Motel in Los Angeles. So he's out. He goes out to dinner and he sees a woman at dinner and uh, he wasn't with his wife. He sees this woman named Elisa Boyer. And uh, after dinner, they go to a nightclub. And she leaves the club with him, and it's like two in the morning, and they're in his Ferrari, and he goes, uh, she's like, I, I want to go home. And he's like, no. And this is the story. And he takes her to the Hacienda Hotel to have sex. According to her, they check in the hotel room. Sam Cook throws her on the bed, starts tearing off her clothes. She tries to run into the bathroom and escape, and the door won't lock. And then for some reason, Sam Cook goes in to take a leak. And when he goes in to take a leak... She grabs her clothes and she runs out the door of the hotel and she runs to a telephone booth and she calls the police. Sam Cook comes out of the bathroom, can't find her. His clothes are gone. So he goes and checks his car, doesn't see her, and he goes to the hotel and he starts banging on the door. He's wearing a suit jacket and one shoe and that's it. <laughs> and he starts banging on the door of the hotel yelling, where's the girl? Where's the girl? The manager's like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So he starts breaking his shoulder into the door and he breaks the door down and he starts wrestling with the, the hotel manager and she grabs a gun and she shoots him in the chest. Wow. And then he goes like, lady, you shot me. And he comes at her again. Yeah. So she picks up a, a broomstick and like beats him over the head and he collapses and he dies. So that was the story, but there's a lot of other scandals around it. So the first one has always been that, um, he was silenced because he was so involved in the civil rights movement. Yeah. Even like Muhammad Ali yeah. was like, if this was anybody else, if this was a white person, the FBI would have been all over this shit. Um, yeah. Cause they said when he was his funeral, Etta James, the singer said his, he was beaten ba so badly. That his head looked like it was ready to come off. His hands were all mangled. His nose was broken. So she's just like that. This, this does something doesn't jive here. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like he was definitely doing something shady. He got caught up in it and it cost him his life. Yeah. He also, um, people who saw him that night at dinner said he had like a huge wad of cash on him, like a couple thousand bucks. And that money was never found. Um, the Hacienda hotel where they went was also known as a place like you paid three bucks an hour to stay there. Cause it was like for hookers. Yeah. And the woman that killed him, was arrested for prostitution a month later. And the woman who, or no, the woman that ran out of the room, I'm sorry, was arrested for prostitution. The woman that shot him had a record for being a madam for prostitutes. So they're like, maybe he thought it was a, she tried to rob him. Maybe the, the two women were in on it together. Um, the woman that killed him, uh, uh, or no, the woman that tried to, uh, was in the room was also found uh, guilty of second degree murder a couple years later for killing her boyfriend. 
Another theory was oh. his wife had something to do with it. His wife um, got remarried three months after Sam Cooke died and was uh, some dude, she, like, she was having affairs too, and they said, like, that night, or no, at his funeral, like, her, the dude she was fooling around with showed up, like, wearing some of Sam Cooke's, like, his watch and shit like that. No. Um, she married Bobby Womack, the, the soul singer. She married him, sure. like, um, three months after Sam Cooke. He was in Sam Cooke's band and married him, like, three months after Sam Cooke was murdered. No. And the last one Man. was, um, the conspiracy was Alan Klein. And again, another dude we talked about in the Beatles and the Stones episode, because this dude was largely managing the Beatles when they broke up during the Let It Be sessions, and he ripped the Stones off out a ton of money. But he was Sam Cooke's manager, and he owned the rights to all of his music. And the rumor always was that Sam Cooke was not happy with this dude and was going to fire him. But he never got the chance because Sam Cooke died. And Sam Cooke never had a will. So this dude kept the rights to all of Sam Cooke's music after he died and got all the royalties from it. His family didn't get shit from That's all the royalties. Horrible. So they've been like, maybe this dude had him killed. He was like, well, fuck that. You're not, you're not leaving me, man. I'll kill you and I'll make all the money. You know? That is insane to hear all that stuff about Sam Cooke, man. Yeah. And he had a drug I, problem and some other, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't perfect, but still really weird circumstances under which he died. Yeah, let's play something from Sam Cooke. I put a change is going to come on here. So that he said that that was like his version of or his counter to Blown in the Wind by Dylan. Let's give it a listen. I got a story about him and Blown in the Wind. All right, cool. Here we go. Let's hear it. I want to hear the story. A long time coming, but I know a change going to come. Yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. Man, beautiful. I could, I could play that whole that whole song. Uh, I there. You you mentioned a documentary. On Amazon, there's an original movie called One Night in Miami. And what this film is about, it's a after party after Muhammad Ali won the heavyweight champion. And the after party was Malcolm, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Muhammad Ali. Now, this is before Muhammad Ali changed his name to Muhammad Ali. He was still Cassius Clay. And he just won the heavyweight champion and they're having this meeting. And like Malcolm in this movie is like calling them all Uncle Tom's, you know, really giving it to Sam Cook, like hardcore. And he turns on, he's like, listen to this song blowing in the wind. He's like, why does it take a white man to write this song when he's telling our story? You know, so like Malcolm in, in this movie, according to this movie, Malcolm like really opened his mind to like, you know, do more than songs like "I love you, I love you, I love you," you know, like songs like that, and do something like we just listened to, like something a little bit deeper, you know, use your mind, your voice, your celebrityism to say something deep, you know. There That's, weren't, a, you know, and there weren't a lot of musicians doing that kind of stuff, right? Not like, at early all. Early rock and roll was real. You know, said like you said, I love you, I love you, I love you kind of stuff. 
and yet maybe you had, you had Dylan and not a not a ton of guys were being like real political like in the early days of of music. Maybe by sixty four, I mean you know Kennedy's already been shot and yeah everything else, but still. Um, if you get a chance, check this movie out. I came across it doing my research, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, I'll have to check that out. It is, it is good. It's like, I don't know what it's like to be any of those guys, especially in that time. But uh, it's a good watch. It's a good movie. Yeah, I, you know, and the whole thing within a couple of years, right? I mean, Cassius Clay becomes Muhammad Ali. Jim Brown quits football. Malcolm X is murdered, and Sam Cooke is murdered. Yeah. Oh, I that that song is one of the most powerful. I'm almost speechless listening to it. No matter how many times I hear it, it just blows me away. There's a you know I always judge a good performer by live albums or whatever. And Sam Cooke has two great live albums on Spotify. One of them is live from the the Copa in New York City, and one of them is come from the Harlem Square. And he brings it, you know, it just, I wish there was video along with it, like to see like the showmanship that he had, like that huge smile he had, you know, I just know it from pictures. I don't, you know, there's, you know, not much of it about Sam Cook out there. It's just, he was dead so young. We missed out on him. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's one of my favorite soul singers. And all, I mean, shit, there, we could have played any of. Oh my God. Tons We're of having a party. Yeah. Everybody's singing. Yep. Great song. Yeah. Lots of great music, dude. I, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm surprised that it took us this long to even talk about him, but, you know. All right. Let's keep rolling. 1966, the Beatles say they are a bit, well, John Lennon says the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. Yeah. He was he had a fresh mouth, John. Yeah, um, he he would say anything just to just to piss people off, especially then. Yeah. So in 1966, the Lon- the London Evening Standard ran a series of articles on the Beatles. They did a profile on John Lennon, and they started talking about religion. And John Lennon goes. Christianity will go. It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right, and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. So he said it in the U.S. and the U.K. It didn't really make any um, controversy. But when it comes in the U.S., this one dude puts it in like a magazine that he runs in the U.S. And then to sell copies of his magazine... He starts printing it and sending it to all the radio stations in the South. And like 30 radio stations across the country said they won't play any Beatles records anymore. One of them, a radio station in Birmingham, Alabama, rented a wood chipper and invited people to come and throw their Beatles shit into it. Another radio station in Nevada had bonfires and burned Beatles stuff. The Klan Uh, started protesting. Can you imagine all the collectibles that got fucking destroyed? Right. Billions of dollars of 45s, original pressings. And it was right, know, like, right. All that collectible shit that we've, we talked about when we, we did their, um, yeah, because there were so many different like US releases of albums and stuff like that. Um, Mexico gets in on the game. They banned the Beatles from being played on any government run stations. The Vatican started sounding off. And um, 
Yeah, it was like, and they were on tour in the U.S. and they really did. They were like, "This sucks." Because people were well, what do you expect to say something crazy like that? Right. I mean, like I said, John was fresh. Yeah. You know, he was kind of an asshole. You know, and uh, you know, came back and bit him in the ass because. If one thing that America loves is the Bible Belt, bro, mm-hmm. that like, you know, maybe not in the city where I live or anything like that, but it runs a lot of the country. Sure. Yeah. People, people take offense to stuff like that. I mean, in the 60s, too, it's people down south didn't like that. But you know what? John was just saying, like, I'm not sticking up for him, but the way that he was saying, you know, the way how christianity was going it was getting so unpopular the beatles were more popular than religion at the time you know he said he could have said like oh the beatles is bigger than tv you know the beatles are bigger than but he said that you know yep yeah and the guy that put it in the magazine in the united states didn't he was trying to be controversial and get a rise out of people which really started pissing off um Brian Epstein and their management well, I'm sure, and everything else. I'm sure it affected concert sales and all kinds of crazy yeah. financial bullshit. Yep. Um, and just sticking with the Beatles, the next one I had in the list of scandals was, you know, a, a year later, 1967, the Beatles break up. I mean, it blows wow. my mind that they were only, to, they were together for less than 10 years. It's unreal, all the music they put out. Just and, how, I mean, shit, we did that show we did on the Beatles and the Stones was like four hours long. <laughs> we went through like <laughs> their whole catalog. But yeah, there's so much going on in, in the Beatles world when they broke up, right? So like Beatlemania, like, you know, huge phenomenon in the fame. Brian Epstein died. Um, you know, my, the guys are getting mad at McCartney. Lennon is a junkie and he's starting to mess around with Yoko, Yoko Ono's coming in. Yeah. George Harrison wants to do other shit. Um, the get back project, you know, uh, that Alan Klein dude gets involved and they just, they just buckled under the weight of everything dude, that was going on. Coming from like, not ever knowing what it's like to, to be a Beatle, but I know what it's like being a band. Bands aren't made to be together forever. You know, it, it is what it is. It's a shame that they, the Beatles themselves couldn't even live like regular people. It's like, you know, oh, the Beatles are breaking up, made national news. It sure, was like, right. Yeah. It, was like, it was like so many people were killed in Vietnam today. Oh, and the Beatles broke up. You know, that's how big they were. Absolutely. Um, we should probably play something from the Beatles. Um Obladi Oblada. All right. Let's do it. such a Paul song. Yeah, I know that song it's, gets gets crapped on a lot, but 
Yeah, I don't care. I love it. It's the Beatles, man. It's hard not to. It's it's one of their, you know, I think most fun songs. You know, it, it's just gibberish, but it's fun. It bounces. Sure. You know? Yep. I totally agree. All right. But the Beatles breaking up was surely heartbreaking for billions of fans. Absolutely. Totally agree. Like you said, national news. All right. Uh, the next scandal I have, too, is another band that made national news for a totally different reason, and that was the Sex Pistols uh, dropping the F-bomb on television. The first uh, time that the F-word was ever said on TV was the Sex Pistols, and we talked about this in our punk rock episode, which was the first episode we ever did for Pantheon. But um, So December 19th... I mean- Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm saying the way they did it too on proper yes, English British, television, the BBC. You know, and uh, uh, there's it. It was just a, a crazy moment on TV that they caught. You know, they they pushed. I forget who who the the host of the TV show was. Bill Grundy. But, but he started pushing their buttons, mm-hmm. and he got it. He he wanted the punk rockers. He got it. Yeah. So we talked about this before on our show. We did. We played the clip of it actually on on the show when we did the punk rock episode. So they um yeah they get called on the, a show called Today because uh, Queen was supposed to do it, but Freddie Mercury had a dentist appointment, and Queen and the Sex Pistols were on the same record label, and they said that the host the host got drunk beforehand, and he he was kind of being of a dick, and he was like talking to the audience and he um uh was kind of dissing the band and the sex pistols had their whole entourage on the stage with them and in the entourage was Susie sue from Susie and the banshees and she goes like hey i've always wanted to meet you to the host and he's like oh did you really well let's get together afterwards and uh steve jones thought he was hitting yeah. on him and he calls him like a dirty old man and then the host is like okay why don't you say something else and steve jones says like you dirty fucker and yeah. um yeah, you know, and then he just keeps like you're a you're a rotter, you're a dirty fucker, ain't you? Like you're Boston. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the, you know it, it ends, and then it was like, yeah, you know, that was being broadcast in, in London, and it was the front. Yeah, page it of the might as well have been like day. on the five o'clock news. Yeah, you know, like yeah, and uh, that, was, that was unheard of. On like TV. Steve, jo- you, ever, you ever see Steve Jones shirt that he has on? He has like a pair of tits on his t-shirt. I don't know how I even got on TV with that shirt on, That's you know, funny. but they, yo, they, they wanted to see what punk rock was about. They gave it to them. Yeah. And that made them yeah. public enemy number one and totally like cemented their whole, you know, what, how they're perceived and what they stood for. And, you know, like, when you think of the sex pistol, just punk rock, like F you and F was, everybody. Like the interview was like mayhem. Like they're all talking. And then Johnny Rotten is like saying little things underneath his breath. And he's and then they come through. It's like, oh, what'd you say? Oh, nothing. Next yeah. question. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's Johnny great. Rotten's the best. It's it's on YouTube. It's worth checking out, or you can go back and listen to the um, the punk the punk rock episode we did, or we did a whole show on the Sex Pistols too. But, all right. That's nineteen seventy six. Nineteen seventy seven. Did Elvis really die? Ooh. And, you know, August 16th, 1977, Elvis Presley died at Graceland. And, man, this was, like, for decades 
people speculated that he never really he died. He was still alive. He was, you know, I always thought he was taken by the aliens. That was part of the part of the thing. Like you know, like in the the Men in Black movie, right? Like, oh, do, do they take the did uh, the aliens take Elvis? No, man, he just went home. Like, <laughs> he was an alien. There was always speculation that he, um, um, what he like he was in the uh, he was like an FBI informant, and the mafia found out and they were going to kill him and all this other weird shit. And Elvis was a weird dude, man. He was just drugged out all the time and. In his own world, yeah. you know, it just—he was aloof to anything else but Elvis Land. Yep. You ever see that movie, Elvis and Nixon, Nixon and Elvis? Yes. Wherever, yeah. Called? That is hysterical. Yeah. That movie. To our listeners, if you ever want to watch something great, watch that movie. It is fantastic. Um. But you know, Elvis was the king of rock and roll when he died. You know, it, it shook the, the nation. It was like people's childhood dying. You know, it was like the end of the innocence. It was like Elvis was before JFK getting killed. So he was like the the symbolism of youth of uh of the fifties and you know um the innocence of the time. Yeah, and the, the I mean, shit. It was like what the tabloids you'd see in the supermarket it was like it was like every month there was an article about where somebody was seeing elvis and it's even in um well in ghostbusters they asked the ghost bot like how is elvis is elvis and how's he doing yeah (laughs) i don't know i mean i think i think people are just trying to hold on to something to keep Elvis's memory alive. Like I, I've been the Graceland and it was a great trip and I have an Elvis tattoo to remind me of the great trip. And, you know, you go to Elvis's house and there is very, we can have a whole show on this. Maybe, you know, who is the King of rock and roll, but I've been to Elvis's house and it's clearly that Elvis is the King of rock and roll. Like here at the end, like, He's been dead for what? Forty six years. Forty six years. Yeah, and people are like still go tr- like pilgrimaging to his house every year for different occasions, and I hope to go back soon. You know, I'll definitely go back. We, you have not been there, have you? Yeah, I have. Um, we enjoyed it. We didn't. I probably could have spent a lot more time there because. Uh, as my wife and I were in Nashville, we drove all the way out to Memphis and we did we did like Graceland and Sun Studios and Beale Street like Which all in awesome. one day and then drove yeah. all the way back to Nashville. But oh wow. Yeah. We I spent like a whole day at Graceland. Cause like across the street from Graceland, there's like a all these exhibits and they have the airplane, Lisa Marie airplane on display and his bus and you know, all of his cars. Yeah. All this and you the can even suits. you can shoot down to Tupelo, Mississippi, and see where he was born. Yeah, I would definitely yeah, I would sure. go back and check it out again if I'm in Memphis again. I would definitely suggest you checking out Graceland, and he's buried in the backyard. Right. Well, and that was part of the speculation yeah. too, right? Of the spelling of his last name on well, a tombstone you know, and created controversy. Elvis, he he spelled Aaron wrong. 
And what he did was Aaron was his middle name, but he starts spelling Aaron like they say it in the Bible with two A's. Yeah. So that's why he changed it to that. I did not know that. Elvis was a Jesus freak. Elvis he was, was a freak. He was a freak about all religions. He was on a search. We, uh, you know, every Sunday morning, my wife and I are driving to church. We, uh, the Elvis stations, all his gospel stuff, and there's there's a lot of it. He put out a lot of gospel. Oh yeah. Music. Oh yeah. That was and like his first love, though. That's right. That's how he how he grew up. And I think all those Southern dudes. That's how all their first love is. You know, like even like we we're talking about Sam Cooke. You know, like all his first of music was, you know, religious style music, you know, right. Johnny Cash and Ray Charles and a lot of those guys, all that stuff. They all started doing like they all started from doing original, like not original, but doing all hymns, gospel music. And yeah, going from gospel stuff to the complete opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> is 1982. Ozzy Osbourne bites the head off of a bat. Ozzy. Man. I mean. Oh, you know what? We didn't play a fucking Elvis song. And shame on us. Hang on. Shame, shame, shame. Yes. I put uh, Suspicious Minds on here. Here. Let's do it. Why can't you see what you do? That's a live oh, version. Man. That's from uh, Elvis, from Elvis in Memphis. Wow! I mean, if you ever want to see the awesomeness of Elvis, watch Elvis in Hawaii. Man, he is the king of rock and roll. I really enjoyed the episode that we did on the Elvis comeback special. Yeah, we, you know, that one of my favorite parts of Elvis history was that special. Yeah, that was a really cool story to learn. And we learned that Colonel Decker from the A-Team played tambourine for, no. in the band. But the um, yeah, the stuff when he's in the boxing ring, man, so that's some of my favorite Elvis. That's the real stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just straight up, stripped down rock and roll. And he just, like we said, he just comes back and just shows everybody why he's the king. It's a shame that he couldn't get away from the uh, the colonel. Yep, yep. Just in, you Worked know. Worked him to death. And you know, again, that Elvis movie was awesome. Go check it out. It was where it was pretty good. The one with Tom Hanks. Yeah, Colonel Tom Parker also total a total shit bag. But uh, we can get him to here. Shit bag of the week. Dun, dun, dun. All right, now let's move on to Ozzy biting the head off the bat. And Ozzy bit the heads off of a lot of things. He did. He did like the doves before yes. that. Yes. Um, man, I just. I was not into Ozzy when I was younger, and something oh, I about was. all this just... Oh, I was. Just, I was so into Ozzy growing up. Oh, yeah. I, I think it was oh, in yeah. high school. I, I started to listen to a couple of... I think I bought Bark at the Moon or Blizzard of Oz. I bought one of his albums when I was in high school. Oh, I was but, listening to that shit when I was like 12, 13 years old. Oh, yeah. We had on vinyl. Oh, all the... Uh, all me and my neighbors, we'd listen to all the Black Sabbath 
records and like you know just all the evilness of it all you know i mean yeah this shit was like right when um the satanic panic is coming up and it's like yo this heavy metal music and dungeons and dragons make you go crazy and all this other shit and just he was at a stage in des moines iowa doing a concert and somebody threw a bat on stage he thought it was a toy and he bit the head off and he's like you read interviews with him and he's like Oh, and then this disgusting, horrible, salty fluid started in my mouth, and I realized that it wasn't a toy. And uh, uh, that's he was just bombed out of his. He, oh yeah, fuck, lunatic, total lunatic. He's a lunatic. I mean, he's getting ready to pump up iron and get back on the road. I heard. Man, he he's got to be. It's over for him. You know, he's, I don't he's, know. They keep, I keep on seeing my Facebook feeds that he's gonna make a comeback. Okay. I mean, shit. I mean, ACDC said they're coming back out on the road, too. And I was like, I wrote them off like Brian Johnson's like deaf and they're still going to come back out on the road. But the hell do I know? You know, Bands never die. They just get new singers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Ozzy, too, like after he did that, he had to go through three weeks of rabies shots and he got rushed to the hospital afterwards and went through all the shit that, that comes with all that kind of stuff. Just but, another story with Ozzy. One of like dozens and dozens and dozens of crazy Ozzy. I'm stories. sure. I'm sure everybody knows about Ozzy biting a head off a bat. Yeah, you know, I I don't think there's one person that doesn't know about that. I think I knew about that story before I knew any of his music. That he was just oh this, yeah this crazy man and oh yeah the nuns at my school were having a fit when I wore an Ozzy Osbourne shirt to gym day. <laughs> I'm sure fit. they were. They did, man. And now I couldn't understand it. <laughs> they probably thought you were going to go outside and bark at the moon. So here's, oh. let's listen to Bark at the Moon. Yes. But yeah, Ozzy is everything wicked in metal. I know, I, you know, uh, you, you know. I think that Osborne show killed his rep. Like, it, yeah. you know, it ruined his it ruined his whole mystique, and it just made him look, you know, it made him look like a dumb dad. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I didn't. I never. I don't think I ever watched one episode of that show, and I don't ever need to. Man, I remember how big it was. Even at the bar, we had it on. Like, every, well, I, I think, I don't remember what nights it came on, but we would have it on that night. It came on MTV. Hmm. That was like the first celebrity uh, reality, celebrity show. reality show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need that to be his legacy. But it's a shame. We'll go down on it. That was 1982. How about in 1984? Marvin Gaye was shot and killed by his father after he wow. got in an argument in between his parents. Um, man, just another really weird, tragic, story. weird story. Yeah, it is weird. His father was just his father didn't even get charged with murdering him. He just, he got charged with self defense. 
Yeah. And his th- that's where the scandal, I think, is, too, because his dad was a preacher and his dad was also a cross-dresser and all that other kind of shit. Actually, his his given name, his last name was Gay, like G-A-Y. And he, Marvin added the E to the end of it because the people were making fun of him, saying, like, oh, your dad's Sure, your dad's sure, his whole life. Picking on him. Wow. And, um, well, uh, can we hear a little bit of the story? Yeah, dude. So Marvin... He comes out of a tour of Europe. It's like kind of his resurgence, like the sexual healing tour. And he moved in with his parents to help his mom recover from kidney surgery. And him and his dad, just they never got along. And they tried to stay away from each other the whole time. And the sad thing is that I didn't know until I was researching this, is that Marvin Gaye uh, bought the gun for his dad as a Christmas present. That Wow. Gay, yeah. And they... um his dad was always tough on Marvin Gaye and his and his siblings and always said, if any of you ever lay a hand on me, I'll, I'll shoot you. I'll kill you if you ever touch me. Wow, and his parents, maniac. Yeah, and his parents got in an argument over like a missing, uh, they couldn't find an insurance paper or something. And he just kept, the Marvin Gaye Sr. just kept laying into Marvin Gaye's wife or uh, uh, mom. And Marvin Gaye basically got in the middle of it and was like, hey man, like, you know, shut up and... Um, they got in a shouting match and then it got physical and the dad walked out of the room, got the gun out of his bedroom and came in, walked back into Marvin Gaye's room, and just shot him point blank in the chest and, uh, and killed him. Unreal. Kill him. Right. And I know, mean, he, he doesn't even have any emphasis for his own kid. Right. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame, man. I, another dude that just, man, the, the music that he came up with and the story of music is just littered with people that we didn't, we got ripped off. We we didn't get to hear stuff because of these, these tragedies that happened. Dude, play what's going on. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the answer for only love. Man, the layers of voices on there. The Funk just, Brothers, right? The, the legendary uh, Funk Brothers. Wow, what a great song. I mean, I think it goes down to one of the greatest recordings ever. It's up there. It's an awesome song. And it's a perfect recording. What's the story that James Jamerson was so drunk he was laying on his back? He couldn't even stand up. Yeah. He was playing that. Yeah. He, you know. he was down the bar and uh they were like, get him down here to um baseline for this. We gotta we gotta cut this record. So he was wasted and they dragged him in and threw him on the floor and they gave him his bass. It's like, come on, let's go, let's go. And he just laid her on the floor and played it. And you listen to that bass line, it's it's flawless. I noticed that and, and ever and since so we- like Ever since we did that episode on the Funk Brothers, man, I I I hear it every time I listen to Motown. Now I I pay attention to the music. Oh yeah, I was bragging about our Motown 
episode this week to a few customers, um, people that don't even know anything about the Funk Brothers. You know, if you're a new listener to us and you want to know something about Motown, we did a whole Motown episode. Absolutely. You know what, man? I I think I messaged you this, but I was at a party at my mom's house and my, I was talking to my uncle and we were talking, he's asking about the show and I said something about the Funk Brothers and he's like, oh, that, and my aunt was sitting next to it and she's like, my aunt was a postal worker. She's retired now, but she was like, the guy that made that documentary used to come into the post office all the time that, uh, uh, fuck's his name slutsky the yeah he's a local guy yeah yeah and she's like he used to come in all the time and like give me all this like motown stuff and all this shit to check out he's like super nice guy I'm like man that's that's super cool really really cool yeah that is cool yeah i mean that uh, i watched a like a documentary about him hmm. and what he went through to make that documentary and uh you know so I, i'm just glad someone told the stories of the funk brothers yeah i totally agree um and and going back but, to Marvin Gaye, man, just the yeah. the senseless way that in which he died, man. Just like fuck, like trying to break up a fight between your parents is just his father out of his fucking mind, dude. Yeah, they should have threw his father in fucking jail. But what do I know? Marvin Gaye Senior can also be a uh, shitbag, shitbag of the week. Dun dun dun. All right, and, uh, I don't know. Senseless. Yep. Yep, a lot of there's shit. So many of these stories and music, senseless. How about something a little lighter? And let's jump ahead to the night to 1990, and that's when Millie Vanilli was caught lip syncing. Oh, you know, people all know about the lip syncing part, but you know what people don't know about what they also faked? They faked dancing on their records. All the dancing they did on their records, they faked it. I. Th- this was a kind of a sad story to me as I started reading into it a little bit. I mean, they, I mean, they were the, they became the biggest joke in music. God, now but, people are famous on fucking Snapchat by lip syncing to somebody's fucking song and them getting billions of likes and getting sponsors. Right. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but these two dudes, man, so they were like French and German and, um, they were they were kind of like poor people, and these, this German record producer just saw something. Was like, "I'm going to make you stars, um, man!" And that, like, it. I don't know if you, if you weren't alive then. I don't think you realize how big that. Like, they were huge in like the they late. They were 80s, huge. Man. They won the Grammy. Right. They won Best New Artist. You know, they were huge. They had two. They had like three big songs. That song, "Girl, You Know It's True," was in the top 100 for 26 weeks in a row. So it was like, "Girl, I'm gonna, girl, I'm gonna miss you." Yeah. That was a big song. Blame it on the rain. Yeah, and I guess these guys started going on. They were doing interviews, and reporters were hearing like their real thick German and French accents, and going like, "Wait, where's that? Oh. Where's that accent going in the music?" And they um. They were on the first Club MTV tour, and it was a couple times where the vocals just like did they just cut out or they started looping. Yeah, it starts skipping and looping and doing all this weird shit. And you know, and they would run off stage. (laughs) They just ran off the stage while still playing. You know, and that's when it all started. And uh, after they won the Grammy, the pressure got too much, and they had to come out and say that they they you know that they lip sync on 
you know, they didn't sing on the record. They they insisted to the producer that they wanted to sing for real on the next record. And it got and the the producer had to own it and come out and basically be like, yeah, they never really sang on it. And uh, it, they were the on Arsenio. They were on Arsenio Hall when they came out and sang their own songs. And it was fuck. The one dude was okay, but the other guy, his accent was so thick he couldn't even get it out. Like the English phrase, you know, it was just really bad. And it totally ruined them. They're the only Grammy that was ever revoked. So, and the radio just like stopped playing their music. They got dropped from the record label. Um, they tried. You know what? You know what we're gonna do on our show? We're gonna play them. I have okay. Let's. I we're gonna play them, and I have the album they recorded, like for real. Okay, the, but let's. You got you got me singing. Blaming on the rain in my head. All right, hang on. Did you ever see the guy who sang the songs? Yes. He was like this middle-aged black guy, bald, you know, <laughs> something that wouldn't they would never put on MTV. So, you know. So they they um they did put out an album as themselves as Rob and Fab, and it only sold like two thousand copies ever. I'll play I'll play some of that in a second. They actually started they tried doing a comeback album as Millie Vanilli, but with them singing, but it was never released because um, Rob from Millie Vanilli died of an overdose in 1998. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Then the other dude started doing an album with one of the guys who was really singing on the, al- <laughs> on the album. Jesus. Um, that never, a guy named Jonathan Davis, not the guy from Corn. And but that never came out. But that um that dude died uh, of COVID in uh, 2021, so I don't believe that that album never got released either. But YouTube does have the, the guys um, the Robin Fab album on here. So here's a song called "We Can Get It On." Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I want to hear the other guy sing. Oh, here. Oh, well. yeah, pick it up. It, for no, no, <laughs> I'm good. Oh, but um, shit. yeah, that shit was bad. It's a shame. Um, who can you blame them though? Like, who do you blame them or the producer guy? You blame it on the rain. That's the only thing you can do. <laughs> of course, you do. right? Kind of walked Stupid right in, me. Walked right into that one. Um, <laughs> How about uh, you know, you want to take a little break right here 
and then we'll let's we'll, do it. We'll pick back up and uh, we'll bring it home. I got I don't know seven eight more of these <laughs> these things on here, and cool. uh, we'll take it from there. All right, yo, stick around. We'll be back. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. We're talking a lot about scandals, but you know what's not scandalous? Wearing a really good pair of socks. That's why Prisoners of Rock and Roll is so happy to be sponsored by Boldfoot Socks. There's nothing scandalous about supporting an American company that makes a great product right here in America with materials grown in America. And on top of that, they give 5% of all their proceeds to veteran charities. So when you're done listening to us, head on over to boldfoot.com and check out all the awesome styles and uh, different types of socks that they have. That's boldfoot.com. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Thanks so much for sticking with us. I got, uh, I don't know, maybe like 10 more scandals we can we can touch on. We can just keep keep plowing through these. The first one I had, man, 1990, Two Live Crew is determined to be obscene, and a couple of the guys get arrested. 
I mean, you write a song like Pop the Coochie, you know. Right. What do you expect? You know. So that was, you know, they were the poster child for obscenities and um yeah, you know, so the, their album has a parental advisory sticker on it, and they were from Florida. So in Florida, the Broward County Sheriff's Office listens to the album. He writes down all of the lyrics, and he goes to a, the county court and says, can you declare this album obscene? And they do. So then the sheriff goes to every music store in the county and warns them and says, like, hey, man, this is you can't. it's illegal to sell this because it's offensive. And one of the uh, there was a record store owner who who sold the album and he was arrested for selling the album to an undercover police officer. And then three days later, the band is playing in Florida and they um, they got a rent. Luther Campbell and Chris Wong, Chris Wong Wong were both arrested for obscenity for playing this album or playing these songs live. And um, a court overturned it the ruling that it was obscenity and then the county appealed it to the Supreme court and the Supreme court wouldn't hear it. But just crazy that, that, you know, in the nineties dudes were getting arrested for playing music. I mean, just look how far we've come in, in, in a short time, like how music is like, was so offensive. And now, you know, that was offensive to black. And now like Nicki Minaj is on the fucking morning show, like talking about her pussy. Right. You know, like it, it it's just, unreal yeah unreal. i i never liked two live crew i just but um it was interesting no but the, you the know fight. what right is right what right is right you know and i don't know it's like they are offensive that's why they're two live crew it's, right that was what their whole it thing is what it on. is right but it, but again you know don't decide for people what they can and what they can't listen to I totally agree. Yeah, crazy that like a dude working in a record store was getting arrested for shit like that. But and those charges were dismissed. But um, yeah, nothing, nothing of their music ever did anything for me. But no, but you know, I, I remember it happening, and they did banned in the USA, and Springsteen said, "Sure, go for it." Oh, uh, I totally the, forgot about that too. Yeah, they, the they did banned that. in the USA. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you know that's the crazy thing about Bruce Springsteen. He was all like, you know, Ronald Reagan, don't use Born in the USA during your speeches. But hey, two live crew, it's okay for you to sample my song. Yeah. You know, Bruce Springsteen's the man. And, That's a great know. call, man. I had totally forgotten about that, that version of that song. 1991. How about the Guns N' Roses riot? Guns N' Roses, man, they had a long... There's always a riot with yeah. them. That's part of the going to the GNR show. Right, right. I paid for this ticket, man. I better see a goddamn riot. I'd get a t-shirt and a riot. Yep. They were on stage in St. Louis. The band was playing Rocket Queen. Axel saw a fan taking pictures. He started yelling at security to confiscate the camera. And when security didn't, he jumped off the stage and tackled the dude himself. And then when he got back up on the stage, he goes, well, thanks to you, the lame-ass security. I'm going home. And he threw the microphone down and he walked off. And that started a three-hour riot in St. Louis. He's out of his mind. Yeah. But if you look in the liner notes for the Usual Illusion albums and the thank yous, it says, fuck you, St. Louis, in there because of of this. They they didn't play there again until 2017. They were banned from playing in St. Louis for... Yeah, I'm sure. I remember the the, uh, riot happening. Yeah. But, you know, every couple years gnr has a riot there was one in philadelphia yes back in early 2000s i remember somebody asking me to go to that show and i was like no way because he ain't gonna show up 
No, he didn't show up, and people fucking went ape shit. He went to a, he was at a Knicks game instead of performing. Everybody was in the spectrum waiting for him, and uh, um, he had the what but, the riot when um, James Hetfield got got burnt when the pyrotechnics went off right. on him, and they refused they they wouldn't take the stage early, and there was a riot. Um, yeah, it was interesting when I decided to add when I wanted to add them to the notes. I had to look up which riot I was going to talk about. But that's what I'm saying. There's so many riots that Axel started. Yeah, you know. Yeah, let's play but a little. That's bit why of rock. we love him. That's why we love him. That's right. I mean, shit, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. It's Guns and Roses. He's a little bit of Rocket Queen. This is the song they were playing when the riot when the when he jumped off the stage. That that uh, whole one of the greatest that whole album one of the greatest like, albums ever yeah top to bottom man it is just a yeah an awesome rock and roll yeah. album yeah it's it's one of the best you know it's so grungy before it was grunge you know <laughs> like it was just dirty L A scumbag fucking music I don't know yeah I. At some point, if we ever do a show on like you know albums that are just perfect from front to back, that's totally one for me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's I just want to hear the stories of the recording of that album. You know, uh, there's got to be some mayhem behind the recording of those songs. I mean, just Rocket Queen alone, we know that Axel had sex with some woman. Yeah, and they recorded it, and her having an orgasm on the on the uh, record. Yep. Yep. The, from the beginning they were controversial you know uh the next one that is speaking of controversy man i had to go to youtube we had to go to youtube for this one because it's not on streaming services 1992 body count debut album has a song on it called cop killer <laughs> i had it <laughs> i did too yeah i saw them on that tour i remember you saying that and yeah i saw them at the tla I mean, and that was, we talked about this a little bit in uh, one of the other episodes, I guess on the music in 1992, but it was like, you know, all black guys playing in a heavy metal band and, yeah, you know, Ice-T was always into heavy metal, right? He sang with Slayer on the Judgment Night soundtrack, yeah. but yeah. that song got so much, I mean, shit, the president was talking about it. It's, hey man, uh, Ice-T reaches everybody, you know, when the president has a minute to like, to uh comment about uh, just the song that's that's pretty powerful shit yeah and again when you got like just the state of music now the things that people they celebrate and they play you know Nicki minaj or or shit like that but no but it's it's great you know ice t's been a cop on tv for fucking 20 years right you know and just, uh yeah i he had that famous quote, like, you know, if you believe I'm a cop killer, you believe David Bowie's really an astronaut. Yeah. But he's um, a smart dude. He's a really smart guy. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah. And he, he made the decision to pull it off of the album. He said like he, the record label didn't do it, but he, um, 
they were under a shit ton of pressure to do it. They, he said, like yeah. executives at the record label were getting death threats and all kinds of other crap, like crazy. That was. I'm going sure. On. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, trust fund babies were getting cut off if they didn't take the song off the album. And it's still, you know, it's still not on Spotify. Yeah, I don't blame them. You know, not. I don't know. Like, fuck the police is still on Spotify, right? But it's, uh, you know, it is on, on YouTube. So here's a little bit of it. I haven't listened to that song in 20 years. I know. It's catchy. It has a good beat and you can dance to it. <laughs> Skip that one at my uh, wedding. Damn it. Yeah. I, um, I missed that at my bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. They're a really interesting band. Just uh, such a punk sound to them. And, uh, they're great. They were a hardcore band. Yeah. You know, um, I seen them. They were really hardcore. When I saw them, the police were outside the venue protesting and they're handing out these like pamphlets and Ice-T gets the pamphlet and he put he's up on stage and he's reading it and he's putting out all like the unspelt the spellings that are incorrect and the grammar is all fucked up. He's like, can't you fucking motherfuckers in Philadelphia speak correctly? Uh, <laughs> like, that's funny. But um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time in music history. Yep. All right, and then the same year, too, um, another huge moment, controversial, was Sinead O'Connor goes on SNL, and she tears up a picture of the Pope. What a whack do. Yeah, so she was performing Bob Marley's War, and she replaced some of the lyrics about child abuse, and she looks right in the camera and says, fight the real enemy, and she tears up a picture of the Pope. And she said the picture was, um, it was actually her mom's. It was, like, in her mom's, like, bedroom, and she... Uh, Took it when her mom died and was like looking for an opportunity to uh, to tear it up. You know, I get what Sinead was saying. I dig what she what she was pointing out, but the way she did it was really bad. I mean, what she said was like you know the really thing to fight against is all the child molestation that happened in the in the catholic church through decades and decades you know that's what she was pointing out the way she did it really sucked you know and to like i don't know i don't know it's it's it, i was very offended i'm a catholic but I'm also a punk rocker, and I'm against everything. So, you know, I get what she was doing. I get it. it it's weird to watch, too, because when she's done, it's dead silent. Like, the camera pans out, because they said, like, Lauren Michaels was like, holy shit. And told, said, like, do not put on the applause sign after the song yeah. was over. Is is dead quiet. Yeah. Just, I, I remember watching it, and I thought it was, like, a, a part of the fucking SNL skit thing you know and, and then i was like oh no that 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 was something just happened there 
And um, <laughs> so the next week, too, Joe Pesci was the host, and he actually <laughs> he got the picture, and he taped it all back together. And he walked out on stage with it, and he said something like, you know, if this was last week when I was there, I would have smacked it in her face. You motherfucker, you. You motherfucker, you. You motherfucker. Uh, but, but she went and played the Bob Dylan anniversary concert at Madison Square Garden a week later. And played the same song. And, and she got up there and sang, and she got booed. They, like, booed the hell out of her. Yeah, she walked but, off the stage crying, and Chris Christofferson was, like, sticking up for her, telling her, like, hang in there and shit like that. He's such a great guy. He's, you Chris know, well, what are you going to say? Right. Hey, lady, you fucked your career up. <laughs> you did it to yourself, lady. Yep. All right. The next two of these, man, I, these are uncomfortable, but these are both, like, because these are involving child child abuse. And the first one was, yeah. you know, 94, Michael Jackson was accused yeah. of abusing children. And I, I don't even feel comfortable getting into all this shit, man. But um, there was all kinds of allegations. You know, he... Uh, he paid off like up to 15 million bucks for the one, the one kid. And he was, I mean, shit, you talk about like fall from grace, man. He was, it was like, after that, it was like a bonfire of yeah. like downfall of weirdness. Yeah. And you know, what's really shitty is I was looking at some of the stuff and I didn't want to get too far into it, but it was like 93 Latoya Jackson comes out and goes like, I know my brother's a pedo and that he's paid off kids. I have proof and I'll release it if you give me half a million dollars. And it was like, like you know, there's child abuse going on, and you won't do anything about it unless you get paid. So you're another another piece of shit. But like you know, not for nothing, these parents are just handing their kids over to Michael Jackson. You know, it's not normal. Oh yeah, it's Michael Jackson. Yeah, well, you know what? There's other pop stars out there too. They're not having pajama parties two with little kids it's really gross like all the whatever that finding neverland the, the documentary it's really that disturbing. was disgusting yeah i i really had a problem that they put that out tell you the truth like the kid that was being molested went through step through step of the yeah. molestation i thought it was like a pedophile's dream come true the watch on hbo you know i was like this i i turned it the fuck off I was like, hey, this is the, like, HBO went a little bit too far. Like, some pedophile can watch this and get off on it. You know? Yeah, it's it's gross. Like, we just watched, um, there's a documentary on Netflix about, like, all the uh, abuse in the Boy Scouts that went on for, like, yeah. decades. Yeah. And some of it was, like, it was really hard to watch. Like, um, and I, people, I, I can't. I can't square that up in my head that Michael, like I, I just, I, I'm not a big fan of Michael Jackson's music. And I think I, that just overshadows everything to me that I can't separate the two of them. Again, Michael Jackson was a target. I'm not sticking up for him. You know, um, he's a product of abuse himself. Yeah. And that's right. You know, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate thing about it. He was abused, and look what he did. And it just it becomes a cycle that just continues. And, um, and but people, but I don't. And the parents have to be blamed too, though. They like happily give their kids to Michael Jackson, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I. As I was putting my notes together for this, I started reading some stuff, and I was like, "Dude, I just I I can't 
I can't get into the details. You know, like the the one kid had a description of his Michael Jackson penis and it was just like it was too it was too much man just as a as a as a fucking human being as a parent i couldn't yeah i couldn't do it um yeah it, it will always go down in music history being a really dark 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 moment in music history there's um, nothing to say about it bro it's fucking god awful yeah i i don't even want to play one of his songs i just it just bothers me so you much you know what but, though it, I, I know it going like that but Dude, I, I I love Michael Jackson. I love him. I okay. think his music is fucking fantastic. And if we're just looking at his ability to make music, he was brilliant. Outside of that, he's a shitbag, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But looking at his music and everything that he did, he was brilliant. Well, I think it was kind of funny. Like, not funny, but, you know, he had a song called Heal the World. And it's like, and then he's doing sure. all this horrible. They'll play a little bit of that because it just the irony of it that he's doing all this horrible stuff. There's a place in your heart and I know that it is love and this place is much brighter than tomorrow and if you really try you'll find there's no need to cry Ugh, I, I can't. I just... Man, you know what the most mad. worst little, little kids the, the worst band. part of all the worst part all of it is that song is an awful song yeah that is a god awful song uh i don't know it's not for me to fucking decide bruce yeah oh he's in hell too uh um, maybe and then the other piece right next shit. to liberace <laughs> The next one who's going to go there when when he's gone is R. Kelly, and this is another dude that oh, I, yeah. I couldn't oh. try to. We've there's been a couple times where something has happened with him, like the court case, and it's been in like our music news, and we've just skipped it because I was like, I don't even want to talk about him. He's, such he's a, a fucking no. Oh, why don't you like give us a little? Yeah, so what he he's been in trouble a lot for shit with kids, and you know some of the really rough. Um, stuff was he the the singer Aaliyah he married her she was 15 and he was in his 20s and she lied on the marriage certificate he was uh, there was a video floating around of him sexually abusing and urinating on an underage girl he was caught with all kinds of child pornography he was accused of intentionally giving a woman an STD he was arrested, federal charges of sexual exploitation of a child, child pornography, trafficking, kidnapping, child labor, obstruction of justice, and racketeering. He is currently in prison serving a 31-year sentence for all the shit he oh, did wow. to children. So, I didn't know he was in jail. Yeah. I didn't know it was like 31 years. Wow. Yeah, he's in federal prison. So, What a douchebag. Yeah, he just he had a long history of of doing and so many people came forward yeah yep yep here's a little bit here's a little bit of bump and grind from r kelly nice
That's making me mad, too. Oh, the lyrics dude. sound really gross in lieu of everything that he was arrested for. Do you remember we were talking about something about how R&B was at its lowest in the 90s? Yeah, yep. Like, that's just prime example how bad 90s R&B was. There's no soul in that, man. It's just like, no. yeah. You take that, you go from Sam Cooke to that. That's a really far, yeah. far way. One, two, I got three more. Um, cool. The first one, 2003, the Station Nightclub Fire, Great White. Oh. So they were playing at a, the Station Nightclub in Rhode Island, and pyrotechnic display goes off, lights the acoustic foam in the walls and the ceiling, and the entire building burns down in less than six minutes, and 100 people die. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Um, that Dude, I remember that happening. Yep. And I thought to myself, I'm like, that's me. That could be me in a club watching a band. You know, I was so devastated for those people. Yeah, we're like in the um, you know, the crowd was it was there were more people in there that it could hold. The when the fire breaks out, one of the bouncers where they were like blocking the exits and saying, like, no man, this is this is the band's exit. And um the there was a whole bunch like there was no sprinkler systems, the fire alarm yeah, they, go to the they were the codes were totally Yeah. Whoever owned that, play, I, I hope they went to jail. He did. Fuck, you know. He did. He went to jail for fifteen years, and the um the yeah. tour manager pled guilty to one hundred counts of involuntary manslaughter, and uh, he did fifteen years in jail as well. Yeah, because it was his call to do the pyrotechnics. Correct. Right. Um, and the whole the crazy was like, I mean, and the whole thing was videotaped. Right. There was a dude. Yeah, I've seen like a it. Report. No, I've yeah, seen it. Crazy. The band did start playing a couple, like they were doing some shows after that, and they were raising money for the families of the people that yeah. died. But um, you know, they never couple couple guys in the band died. Yeah, one of their original guitar players died. Yeah. I remember that. Um, they were playing a song called "Desert Moon," which they never played again live. But I'll play a little bit of that. Yeah. What a crappy band. They suck. <laughs> that was, they do, man. I never liked them. Yeah, it, it was they're okay. I mean they're not no, they're, they're not a yeah. top tier hair band, but No, they they don't deserve to be on our hair band or countdown. Uh once bitten twice shy was alright. That's not even their song. That's a cover. Is it? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I just fucking killed it for yeah. you. Oh. Um well Shame on a lot of people for that incident. There was more than just one person to blame that shit on. Right. And people that just wanted to go hear some rock and roll music. You know, hundred, there were the hundred, ones. hundred people yeah. died. Just you know, yeah. sad. All right. I got two more. This is, this is so much pleasant stuff we're talking about. Like people dying in fires and child molestation and murders. And um, this one's a little lighter. But in 2014, U2 came out with the album Songs of Innocence. And... It was released exclusively on iTunes, and the album was automatically downloaded into everybody's iTunes account, and you couldn't you couldn't even delete it. 
So what it was a like, weird. You were getting it so whether weird. you wanted it or not. I was like really like, oh my God, new U2 album. This is fucking great. And then I listened to it. <laughs> and it was fucking awful. I think the only way they could get away was like giving it away for free. Right. Because it was that I think they knew how awful it was. Yeah, they took so much crap that Apple had to come up with like a special like you had to go to like a web page and be like, do you really, really, really want to delete this? And um, after a ton of backlash, because it's just it's crazy that they forced it on your phone or your 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 iTunes and then you couldn't get rid of it. But does it really fucking matter? Yeah, well, I, at the end of the day, does it really fucking matter? Like people went through all this fucking shit. I don't want all my thing like does it really fucking matter? Yeah, not not in the context of what happened to R. Kelly or the people that went to the Great White Fire or all that. Exactly, right? exactly. But I don't. I remember how everybody got so mad about it, you know. And I, I was just like, well, then just don't fucking listen. I get, I get what people are saying. Like, oh, who are them to put that on my personal library and you know all right. that shit? I get it. Yeah, I get it. I'll, but it, I'll, I'll play. Here, Volcano was on that album. Here's a little bit of that. I, and I it's don't know awful. This, I don't and it was an awful album. album. It's awful. That does absolutely nothing for me. Dude, I think that's when they are trying to sound like Coldplay. Yeah, maybe the warden probably likes that album. Yeah, well, you know, he got it for free. He likes anything for free. We, um, if it's free, it's for me. Like riding our coattails. Yay. Um, I'm the warden. I guess, like, if we do a, we could do a show on like when. When great bands release terrible albums, you know that that's probably one of that's them. That's a but, great idea. Yeah, I would. Where do we they, start? They have a couple albums that are not that I don't like, but all right, last one, and then we can wrap up and get the hell out of here. That was 2017, and that was the Fire Festival, and what a complete ripoff sham that was. Right. So uh, all those poor trust fund babies. I know, right? So these. Uh, uh, Ja Rule, the rapper, and some dude named Bill McFarlane tried making this exclusive luxury music event in the Bahamas. It was supposed to be like two weekends in 2017. The prices went from like 500 bucks to like 1500 bucks, and VIP packages were up to like 12 grand. And they paid all these like social media influencers to promote it. And then there were supposed to be like 33 music acts, like Blink 182 and all this other crap. But then when people got there, the luxury accommodations were just like disaster relief tents and the food were just cheese sandwiches. There was no <laughs> cell phone coverage, no uh, internet access. The there weren't enough the toilets. Best. People got stuck there, stranded there. Total, total scam. The documentary's great. I didn't. Like, I haven't seen it to yet. See, oh, it's great to see the footage of the trust fund baby struggling, like like I struggled at Woodstock '99, and right. watching these trust fund babies struggle, like in in like on the beach, like Make it's hysterical. Yeah, it's hysterical. 
you know, all these concerts I go to and everything and these trust fund babies, they just go to these uh, big festivals like this one was supposed to be and they get totally ripped off. And it's so the, the, the guy went to jail for six years for fraud and he had to pay twenty six million dollars in restitution. That's how much money he ripped off. The dude just got out of jail. And I swear to God, one of the first things he does when he comes out of jail, he goes, what? guess what? I'm doing Fire Festival 2, baby. 2024, tickets are 500 bucks. He hasn't said who's performing yet, but all the pre-sale tickets are sold out already. You know Ja Rule was going to be right. there. Like, how stupid do you have to be to be like, oh, okay, well, this time I'm really serious. I know I just bilked everybody out of 26 million bucks and went to jail for fraud. God, that doc, the documentary, man, it's like he tried to build his own island out of dirt in the middle of like the ocean. Like, oh, I'll just make an island. He's, he was like, I'll just make an island. Scams and scams and scams. No. But people bought into it. It only takes like a website. And a few names. Yep. Yeah, there were like celebrities that like the Kardashians were promoting this and, you know, people that were getting paid to talk about it on social media. Yeah. Total, total house of cards. Total bullshit. Ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) The kids love it, dude. So so that is uh, that is 70 years of music scandals in about an hour and 40 minutes. Well, scandals. And there was a lot we did not talk about but maybe next time yeah there's other things we can yeah i'm sure we'll get emails telling us we miss stuff but yeah let's jump into the back end of the show do some second thoughts music news and let's get out of here here you go all right we got a bunch of second thoughts on some recent episodes so uh dave sanislo is a buddy of mine he texted me he was like hey i was listening to your episode on shit music and do you guys remember the methods of mayhem they were I a do. microcosm of everything that was terrible about the 90s, the super group that nobody asked for. So that was um, Tommy Lee's side project. Yeah. You know, is that cool? Was it a super group? Not, I think, I don't really think so. Well, let me. I don't think, I think it was just his, his uh, side, side project. project. Um, yeah, because he like played guitar on it and he like sang front man. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. It, it was more like him being like the front man. Yeah, I don't. I don't notice. I don't recognize anybody else in it. But yeah, do we have a song from them? Um, yeah, I think we do. Oh my god! Fred Durst and George Clinton are on this. Yeah. Oh yeah. That sucks, dude. How much meth was he smoking? (laughs) That meth of mayhem. Yeah, that Dave's right, man. That that was everything that was wrong with like the new metal. No, oh, Tommy Lee. Uh, I used to look up to him so much as a drummer growing up. And dude, he's a fucking unbelievable motherfucking drummer, but he ruined himself by being a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. We we could have talked about him in the the Pam Anderson Porno. video and right all that other yeah. Crap, but, Next time, yeah. All right, and I got two emails I'll read. So the first one was from Donald. Uh, we've read a couple of his emails on the air. He said, "Hey guys, Donald here again. 
I just heard two terrible songs right back to back that would go great in the electric chair. The first one is Bridge Over Troubled Water. And the second one yes. is Nights in White Satin. Good Lord. Yes. I don't know who even sings either one of them, but I'd rather listen to the guy from Star Trek from your last episode than that mess. Nice. I was just wondering if you guys ever heard of Trombone Shorty. He's from New Orleans. Of course. And I saw him with Government Mule, and I've never heard of him, and he blew me away. I've never seen anyone play a brass instrument like that. He is amazing. Look him up on YouTube. There's some really good stuff. But when I downloaded some of his stuff, it just didn't resonate with me like the live show. He's definitely one you have to see live. Anyway, just checking in. Keep it up, guys. I've seen Mr. Shorty at least three times. Have you really? Yes, he's my man. Awesome. Oh, yeah. He's this du- dude's not lying. Go, he, but the thing is, is like you have to see him live. Nothing compares anything to him live. You can listen to the records, whatever. Live is just a party. His band is unbelievable. Right on. My man knows what he's talking about. Awesome. All right. And then uh, Jimmy Hall, he's written this a bunch of times, too. He said, hey, guys, I just got all caught up on your shows. I had some family health things going on, but I'm back on the road now. The celebrity episode was cool, and as usual, several of those surprised me. You did, however, miss Eddie Murphy's Party All the Time, which is an okay song, and Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind, which I find to be great. Nonetheless, a great show as usual. I went to see ZZ Top and Leonard Skinner last week. They had Uncle Uncle Cracker open for them, who I thought was decent, but I didn't like the crowd. I don't think the crowd dug him as much. He was kind of out of place. ZZ Top was amazing, and Skinner was fantastic. Elwood Francis, who replaced Dusty Hill and ZZ Top, came out playing the biggest bass guitar I've ever seen. I included a picture. Keep up the good work. As a truck driver, the road can get monotonous at times, but you guys do a great job of breaking that monotony. Keep up the good work and keep on rocking. So, Thank you, my brother. Yeah. You keep on rocking. Right on, man. I love it. My catchphrase catches on. Love it. And then um, we got some feedback on our doo-wop episode on YouTube. This is from 180Casper. said, uh, the sweet sounds of doo-wop should be called the sound of endless chatter with little music clips. You guys would be a lot better if you played full songs and more of them. Try giving it that real <laughs> 50s radio sound to go with doo-wop history. And I just said, thanks, dude, but we're not a radio station. <laughs> YouTube is a treasure trove of wonderful uh, feedback. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Yep. <laughs> Music news. Um, the only thing I got, man, was that did you watch that video I sent you of you two opening the Sphere in Vegas? That looks amazing. Yeah, man. So the uh, the Sphere is a, a cutting state of the art, cutting edge state of the art music venue. The whole outside is like an LED screen, and the whole inside is an LED screen. So it's like if you're there, it's like I don't like a planetarium kind of like yeah you know just crazy go go look up man like you you two playing there and watch some of the video i can't even describe yeah, it because it it's, won't do it's it really is a breakthrough for entertainment yeah we um it, all the shows on pantheon we have like a like a chat that we can use to share stuff and a bunch of the guy the head guy peter was sharing it was like holy shit man this is amazing really cool yeah i i heard fish was gonna play there this winter that would but be they're wild not too i'm sure yeah they're not though no. um no, I love. I wish I would go see you too. At uh, they're doing a whole residency there. Yeah, like the Octung at the Spear. Yeah, yeah. W- without Larry Mullen. Yeah, he's ill. It sucks. He's the main part of the band. All right, the electric chair. I I got something this week. What do you got? What do you got? got what do you got? Yeah, you know, the electric chair is where we kill a song for being terrible, and um, I want to kill. I believe I can fly by R. Kelly. I my my opinion of R. Kelly. I've already got into, but. I hate Ugh. this song 
So I've always hated this song. I have too, man. We used to. Have I never to, liked this movie. I never fucking liked anything about it. We used to have to play this goddamn soundtrack all the yeah. time in the music store. And I remember. I remember. I wanted to put it on the um, celebrity thing because Chris Rock sings on one of those songs too on that album. For really? some reason, it's not on Spotify anymore, and I didn't care enough to go find it on YouTube. <laughs> this song, like the music, sucks. The I just remember him trying to be Quincy Jones in the video and he had like one of those orchestra needles. Yeah. And he's like he's like conducting the whole children's choir, which is fucking sick and looking yeah. back on it. Quincy Jones would be a good topic to cover too. But oh yeah. He's a super interesting dude. Way more interesting to listen to. I bet to we find that. a lot of shit on him if we looked it up. Be shit, you know, still alive and he was recording with Sinatra. It's just crazy, but but this song is just like the production stinks. The, I don't. It was like I said, it, the '90s R&B just was at its worst then. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. We could put that. It on was the like list. having a. It was like having an identity crisis. Yeah, the, the the music in late '90s rhythm and blues just is really crappy. It's so they said there's no soul in this at all. It's way produced. It's overproduced. Just yeah, this. I've never liked this song. All right, let's just kill it. Get out of here. We sentence you to death. Ugh. I've been waiting for that one for a while. That's been on my notes of things to get rid of. <laughs> no, I was glad to finally get Oh, uh, Mr. No. Kelly. Oh, Mr. Kelly. Mr. Kelly. You'll never learn, will you? No. He's learning now. No. He's somebody's bitch now, isn't he? he? Hey, it's all, all deserved, man. He's, yeah. All right. So that wraps it up for episode 71. Thanks so much for spending some time with us as we talked about the history of scandals and music man if you want to hear more of the songs we only played 30 second clips but if you want to hear the full versions we put together a spotify playlist for everything but not everything is on there because some of the stuff has been scrubbed from streaming you had to go find you know if you want to hear the body count song or the Millie vanilli uh yeah the, the real the guy singing clip you got to go dig it up but you know you can certainly go do that and while you're doing that, make sure you visit boldfoot.com and also check out our website at prisonersofrockandroll.com. You can follow us on your favorite social media platform. We'd love it if you tell somebody about us. If you shoot us an email, or uh, we'd be happy to send you some stickers. You can email us at show at prisonersofrockandroll.com. We love hearing from everybody. We read all the comments on the on the air, even the ones that are a little critical of us. And, you know, guys think we should be a radio station instead of a music commentary show. So Hey, we can only play 30 seconds of each song. Or we're not going to have a show. <laughs> right, right. We'll be in jail, too. We'll be the scandal. No. Hey, now. All right, everybody. Well, this was a fun one, brother. I enjoyed this. Yeah, man. You know what I say? What's that? Keep on rocking. Peace out. I'm just a prisoner.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 